Well, I would have dressed differently if I'd known that was going to be the introduction. <laughs> My friend, James Lakuda Kadania, has broken his foot. He lives in South Sudan. He was running down the stairs. If you see his stairs, you can see how dangerous they are. He tripped and he broke his foot. The trouble is, he's a thousand miles away from a hospital that can deal with the problem that he's got. So he was flown down to Nairobi. They looked at his foot and they said to him, that requires an operation. So he's had a metal plate put in his foot. One of the tiny bones is broken, just a tiny bone. But he can't touch the floor with his foot. But they put a metal plate in there and they've given him crutches. And he said, I can't get anywhere on my crutches. I can't get up the stairs, down the stairs, over the threshold, in the garden. I just can't move around with these crutches. I believe today this message is for some of us who feel when, when God moves in this place, you feel like you're the one with a broken foot. You can't run and enjoy God. You feel there's something paining when you try to. There's something that's hanging on to you that disturbs you and stops you from diving in and just enjoying the presence of God. Today, God's going to heal you of your broken foot and enable you to get into the presence of God and to enjoy him when he comes. Now, you're going to help me this morning with the message because there's two parts to it. Preparing, prepare the way is the instruction given, which we're going to read. Prepare the way, remove the obstacles. So I want you to say to your neighbor, the person sitting next to you, you say to them, prepare the way. And they say to you, remove the obstacles. Are you ready? So you say to them, prepare the way. And they say to you, remove the obstacles. Well, that was a half-hearted go, that was. Okay, you need to get hold of your neighbour. Uh, come and be my neighbour here. We're going to be a bit more emphatic about this and say, prepare the way. Remove the obstacles. Hallelujah. Right. Are you ready then? Prepare the way. Go on. Remove the obstacles. Hallelujah. You're prophesying over your neighbour. You're declaring the word of the Lord. Let's read it. Isaiah 57, verse 14 to 21. We're going to go into the context and some more of the meaning as we go through this message. And we're going to see some broken foots healed this morning. <laughs> Are you ready? Isaiah 57, verse 14. And, and it shall be said, build up, build up. Prepare the way. Uh, the word build up literally means heap up. In other words, get the foundations back into place. Build that road. Get that road solid, level, firm, straight. Build the road. Build up. Build up. Prepare the way. Remove every obstruction, every obstacle from my people's way. Notice those words, my people's way. It's not just an individual thing. It's something God wants to do for all of his people. He wants all of his people to be healed and in the presence of God, welcoming the coming of Jesus in our midst. For thus says the one who is high 
and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place. I also dwell with him who is of a contrite and a lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not contend forever, nor will, nor will I always be angry for the spirit, the human spirit that is, would grow faint before me and the breath of life that I made because of the iniquity of his unjust gain. Talking about a nation now. I was angry. I struck him. I hid my face and I was angry. But he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. I've seen his ways. But I will heal him. I will lead him. I will restore comfort to him and his mourners, creating the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal him. And there's a verse that we all know, funnily enough, coming up right now. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, for it cannot be quiet, and its waters toss up mire and dirt. There's no peace, says my God, for the wicked. Even my dad, who was, could never be described as a follower of Jesus, quoted that verse. There's no peace for the wicked, usually referring to himself. <laughs> this morning, God wants to bring you to a place of peace. You know, this instruction, build up, build up, prepare the way. God doesn't just say it once. He says it again and again and again in Scripture. It's a principle. It's something he wants. He longs to come in all his glory and his love and his power and work amongst us at a much bigger level than we're now experiencing. He longs to invade this town and the villages and all the places where we go. And we see it, Isaiah 62, verse 10. We see it, Isaiah 40, verse 3 to 5. The same words. And we see it in all the prophets, this welcoming God into our midst. God wants to restore the preciousness of knowing Christ. You know, so quickly we slip from a personal, exciting, personal relationship with Jesus into a religious walk with God. Or even church, even the way our church is, even the style of our church can become a religion. We just know what's coming next. But God wants to restore to us, through these verses, he wants to restore to us the preciousness of knowing Christ, of waking up in the night and knowing Jesus is with us, of getting up in the morning and welcoming him into our lives in the morning, of walking with him in the day and hearing his voice and knowing his comfort and knowing his peace in every trial, every joy, every situation we go through to know that we're the people of God. He wants to restore the preciousness of knowing Jesus. 
He wants to remove the obstacles that built up. The picture here is of a road that's full of potholes, that's broken down, that's deteriorated, that you can't travel on anymore. Like my friend James, mobility is lost. <laughs> there are obstacles on the road, boulders, tree trunks, all sorts of things stopping the progress. And Jesus is saying, I'm coming. I'm coming to Hailsham. I'm coming to Christchurch. Remove the obstacles. Build the way. Prepare the way of the Lord because he's coming. He wants to return us to our first love. We keep slipping away from it. We keep slipping away from it. At Easter, it gets revived. At Easter, when we focus on the cross and we see Jesus crucified for us, risen, exalted, we get something of that first love back. But God wants that love to grow and grow in our lives, where our walk with Jesus becomes the most lovely thing, the most precious thing in our lives. And if you're here this morning and you're already feeling you wish you hadn't come because you're backslidden, you want to make it out of the door, but you know that everyone will know why you're going through those doors, so you're just going to pretend and sit there. God wants to revive your heart. He loves it when people, as, as Catherine shared, when people turn around and run to him. He loves it. He welcomes you. He says in Isaiah 42, a bruised reed he will not break. A smouldering wick he will not put out. So if you're smouldering this morning, if you're bruising this morning, you're in a good place. Because Jesus Christ quoted those verses himself. He's not going to put you out. He's going to welcome you in and blow you into fire again. See, the context of this passage is crucial for you to understand the heart of God. He's talking to a nation This is the southern kingdom of Judah, especially that he's speaking to. And this southern kingdom of Judah had actually drifted away from God. And in their drifting away from God, God, through the prophets, told them, come back, or I'll send you into exile. And he did send them into exile. Babylon came, and they were taken in 586 and scattered around Persia, divide and conquer, being the strategy of that time. And now they were getting ready for the return because even in God's judgment, there was mercy. Hear that, please. Even in God's judgment, there was mercy. He spoke through the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29, verse 11, which I'm sure you know. For I know, in the context of judgment, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Do you hear those words? That's the word for us. I know the plans I have for you, Christ Church. Plans for welfare, not for evil. To give you a future and a hope. This nation had fallen back. And if, if this whole passage starts in chapter 56, verse 9 where Isaiah speaks about the leaders, how the leaders had lost their way. And he talks about the people, how the, and the language that he uses about the people is a love picture. It's such a big love picture in chapter 57, verse 8. This is how far he goes in the love picture. It's quite shocking. 
He says, as a nation, you've thrown back your quilt and you've welcomed into your marriage bed where you were married to me. You've welcomed in other gods, other idols, other injustices, other ways of doing life. You've opened your quilt and said, come on into my bed. I want to love you. When God's saying, it's me that you're meant to be loving. The basic tenant of the Jewish faith was the Shema, which Jesus quoted. You shall love. This is what God looks for in us. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And Jesus summarized the rest of what's said in Deuteronomy 6 to 8 by saying, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. It's simple. The Christian life is simple. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. There's only one thing that God wants from you. That's everything. <laughs> Hallelujah. You see, what takes us away? What took the people away? As you read the verses, the beginning of chapter 57 and chapter 56, what took the people away from their first love for God? It's basically three things. It's called the three eyes of the prophets. Idolatry, other gods, other gods. Injustice, not taking care of the poor. Did you hear that? Not taking care of the poor. I believe it's why God's mercy is still upon our nation. It's still there. Even though we're a sinful nation, God's mercy is still there because we do, as a nation, have a heart for the poor. And immorality. Immorality. The three eyes: Idolatry, injustice, and immorality. It's a love picture. The first thing we need to know as we look at this love picture, it's in the very nature. Just get hold. If it's the only thing you get hold of this morning, get this. It's in the very nature and character of the Lord to visit his people, to restore and to revive. It's what God does. God is not reluctant to come and revive Hailsham. You don't have to twist his arm. But we do have to turn to your neighbor, prepare the way. Yes, prepare the way urgently to your neighbor now. Prepare the way. Remove the obstacles. Come on, wake them up, wake them up. Prepare the way. Remove the obstacles. Hallelujah. You see, it's such a beautiful picture, verse 14. It says, and one shall say, is what it literally says. And one shall say. And then it's a quote. Everything else is a quote. Build up, build up, prepare the way. It's actually a quote. So what Isaiah is saying is, I'm here, Isaiah the prophet, and behind me is the Lord. And he's shouting in my ear or whispering in my ear. Maybe he just whispers and just says, this is what you're going to say. Prepare the way, prepare the way. Remove the obstacles, remove the obstacles. And as I was just repeating the voice of the Lord ringing in his ears, prepare the way, 
way. Remove the obstacles. It's an invitation from God, not the prophet. The prophet's just a messenger. It's an invitation from God. It's the voice of the Lord. Actually, he's pleading with you this morning. Prepare the way. Remove the obstacles. Get ready to receive me. I want to come, but there's things in the way. And I want you to notice this is a people movement. It's a people movement. The spotlight's on us as a people. Because the greatest parallel between what was happening with Israel and how we apply this today, we have to apply it to Israel too, by the way, is not the nation of Britain, but the church. God wants to revive his church. He wants a people movement amongst his church where we're queuing up to get here. Think about this. We're queuing up to get here because we just want to be in the presence of God. We're in our prayer meetings. The person opens the prayer meeting. And I've been in this, by the way. I know this. I've seen this. I've experienced it. Where the person opens the prayer meeting and the rest is just God turning up in the meeting. Where we come on a morning and we're overwhelmed by a sense of the presence of God. That even the worshippers are struggling to play the guitar because they're just flopping in the presence of the glory of God. God wants to come and it's a people movement. And I love these verses. They're so powerful. Of course they are. From the very God that we serve, they're right from the heart of God. God puts a play on this statement, I inhabit eternity. Think about that. Think about it for a minute. I inhabit eternity. In other words, um, Adam and Eve, the fall, the flood, the choosing of Abraham, the choosing of the nation of Israel, the division of the kingdom, the exile of the nation, uh, the coming of the Roman Empire after three other empires, uh, uh, the Middle Ages, um, what happened yesterday to you? This week, um, what's going to happen in a week's time? Uh, The second coming of Jesus. God sees the whole thing in one sitting. Just think about that for a minute. He inhabits eternity. He's seeing it all at the same time. We're waiting for the next minute. What's he going to do next, that guy at the front? But actually, God doesn't see it that way. He just sees the whole thing. In one sitting, why are you worried about tomorrow? God's already there. (laughs) He's already looking at it right now. Why are you worried about what's going to happen in the Ukraine war? God's already seeing it. He already knows what's happening. He's seeing it right now. He's seeing it happening now. He sees the whole thing in one sitting. This is our God. He inhabits eternity. He dwells in a high and holy place. He's playing on the word, I dwell, I inhabit. A high and, you know, I'm a God of holiness. You can't step into the presence of God without the blood of Christ. You can't. However hard you tried, it wouldn't be possible. The whole book of Isaiah is built on Isaiah 6. Where Isaiah, a holy religious man comes into the presence of God and he's saying, I'm undone. I'm, woe is me. I'm going to die. I've seen the Lord. That's what the whole book is built upon. The holiness of God. 
the burning holiness of God. But God says, I dwell in the high and holy place. I dwell with him who has a contrite and a lowly spirit. I revive the spirit of the lowly. I revive the heart of the contrite. I will not always contend with you because of your sin, but I'll receive you. Hallelujah. That's the heart of our God. Isn't that a wonderful thing? See, Nehemiah knew it. You read Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah, all Nehemiah does is quote back to God what God says he is. He just keeps quoting back to him. But you're a God who is merciful. You're a God who promised that if we seek you. You're a God who said you would come again. And Nehemiah is praying just in response to this sort of scripture. Because this is where it was. The exiles were exiled for 70 years. And then God spoke. And it was time to prepare the way. Remove the obstacles. You're literally going to travel on the road back to Jerusalem. And to Cyrus, the king, he's going to send you back. And so Nehemiah could say to God, I'm brokenhearted about the state of my nation. But prepare the way, (laughs) remove the obstacles, get me back into Jerusalem so I can rebuild those walls. Hallelujah! It's happened in history so many times. So many times in history, God's spoken. People have prepared the way, removed the obstacles, and he's come in revival. Do you believe that can happen for us? In this time, in this town, in this nation. Hallelujah. So do I. Because it's God who's saying, I dwell, I inhabit, I revive, I heal. I'm speaking peace. My presence is coming. You all know this verse. Let's say it together. Ready? If my people... Oh, together means we all read it. Oh, it's not there. Sorry. Yes. Oh, no. That's not it. Oh, it hasn't gone in. I'll read it to you. Sorry, guys on the desk. It's not there. (laughs) If my people who were called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways... Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And I will heal their land. What a rock solid promise from God. Number two. Do you notice in these scriptures where God dwells? The high and lofty place in eternity and in the humble heart. The greatest weapon against selfishness and Satan is humbling ourselves. Did you know that? Stepping down rather than up. Putting others first rather than ourselves. Praising others rather than praising ourselves. (laughs) You don't deserve it. (laughs) And neither do I. Ignore that advert. It's not true. (laughs) What we deserve is just the opposite. Humbling ourselves. You see, we can read this together. We read it at the beginning of the meeting. Let's go to that next scripture. Philippians 2. Do we have it? Yes! Let's read it together. Are you ready? Read out loud. Really out loud. 
have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that's above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. And that is the model for the Christian life. Humbling ourselves. Putting to death the fourth I, me. <laughs> putting to death the, I used to call it the me, me monster that's inside of me, that says, me first, me first, I'm, think about me, I'm important, listen to me, it's me you need to listen to. When we put to death the I and turn it into a cross, we humble ourselves. God comes. And I want you to notice something. Consider the next chapter after chapter 57. What is the next chapter? Some of you will know, but let me tell you, it's one of my favorite chapters in the whole of Scripture. When Roger Smith preached this Scripture 20 years ago, it broke my heart and changed my life. Remember the poor. Remember the poor. Isaiah says in chapter 58, do I want this religiousness from you? No, I don't. Give yourselves for the poor. Spend yourselves on the needy. Go to those who are blind. Go to those who are broken down. Go to those who have no houses to live in. And spend yourselves on them. And serve them. Remember the poor. Remember the poor is the heartbeat of the Old Testament from beginning to end. And it's the heartbeat of that, what we've just read. Remember the poor. You see, the poor, we are the poor. The poor are the powerless. Without a hand up, they cannot survive. Without God reaching down in Christ and giving me a hand up, I could never make it to heaven. And I could never make it into a holy relationship with Jesus. Remember the poor, 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Christ, though he was rich, for your sakes became poor, so that you who are poor might become rich. When we serve the powerless and the poor, we express this scripture. Let's go on doing it. I do believe it's why God's touching our, our church at the moment. I honestly do. I think God's touching our church at the moment because we are actually doing more with people who are powerless, who are stuck, who need a hand up. They just need the friendship and the love, even gifts, they need it because without it, they can't survive on this planet. And I do believe that's why God is blessing us as a church. And finally, it's not quite finally, it's number three. Removing 
the obstacles. Boy, this is the most dangerous section of the whole preach. I'm not far from the finish. God is not naive. God is not naive. Verse 17, because of the iniquity of this unjust gain, I was angry, I struck him, I hid my face, I was angry, but he went on backsliding in the way of his own heart. God sees right into your heart. He's not naive about you. He knows you better than anybody else knows you, including yourself. Those words that came in this worship, they were spot on. God sees the hidden place of your heart. God sees what goes on in your mind. And by the way, he sees mine as well. And sometimes I wonder where I dare stand on the platform. I only dare stand up here because I confess it to Christ. And he comes in forgiveness upon my life again and again. I stand on the cross of Christ when I come to deliver a message to you. These words that I'm going to bring now, they don't come from any sense of superiority. I wish I was down there saying it, because I'm with you. I hate to say it, I'm just a normal man. <laughs> I've not reached super spirituality, and I don't think I ever will on earth. As I prepared this message, the first word that came to me, I didn't want to bring it. It's immorality. I didn't want to bring it. I said, God, I don't want to go speaking from the front. Obviously to a group of, you know, 150 people. There's bound to be people who are struggling with this. It's not a prophecy or a word of knowledge. It's obvious, isn't it? And the phone went. From Canada. Someone in Canada uh, while I'm preparing my message, let's get this absolutely clear. The miracle's in the timing. As I'm thinking about, shall I bring this word today? The phone goes, it's a call from Canada. The person says, there's a person in a terrible situation. They've just become a Christian. It's an old man. And all he can speak, he's just lost his mind in coming to Christ. And he keeps speaking these obscenities these immoral things and expressing these immoral desires and he's just come to know Christ. In preparation, you know, before he's dying, he came to know Christ and now he just can't stop doing these things. They've overtaken him. Can you go and see him? He needs help. Can you go and see him? His relatives have contacted us. At the time, I was thinking, should I bring this? This man, actually, I prayed with him over the phone. I prayed these scriptures with him over the phone. It brought peace into his heart. It ministered to his soul. It started to set him free. And then God set him free because he took him to be with himself. Before I could go physically and see him. This is a word from the Lord. Let me tell you, this is a word from the Lord. You see, immorality is a terrible thing. Because it demises human beings. It insults God, who is our first love, let alone our husbands and wives, our parents. Immorality grips the heart of a human being, perverts them, takes them over, and turns them into something they did not want to be. And when you get to the point where you lose control, like this man I've just spoken about, you just become ashamed of yourself. 
and the way that you're speaking and thinking and the way you're looking at people and the way that you are. Today, don't walk with a broken foot. Let God deal with it. At least come and get prayer. I'd ask you, if you're someone that needs prayer over the issue of immorality, that you'd come forward at the end of this meeting and get set free before you become totally enslaved and you become an embarrassment to yourself. The second thing that came to me, and again, God confirmed it. I won't go into that. There isn't time. Harboring bitter thoughts and unforgiveness against leaders. I felt God was saying, I mean, this scripture in, in chapter 56, verse 9 and following, is the leaders who mucked up first. And the leaders mucking up first mucked up the people. And that is a pattern that happens in the church. Isn't it? Have you experienced that? God wants to release you from those bitter thoughts, that resentment, and that unforgiveness. Once for all, he wants to set you free today by the power of the cross. Please come forward, remove that obstacle, get it out of the way. There's another one here. I didn't want to put this one in, but I felt God was insisting that I should. Laziness. You know, sometimes the reason we don't come to a prayer meeting is because we're just too lazy. <laughs> what did we do instead? Instead of the prayer meeting, what did we do? Lied in bed? What's the telly? I need the rest. You know, don't believe the lie. I've got to be good to myself. <laughs> You'll be good to yourself if you come to the prayer meeting. Honestly, that's being good to yourself. Sorry. Anyway, I have to say it. And then there's two more, all right? Again, I felt God had really given me. One is, and I think it's an older person, enslaved by mammon. Mammon is a God behind our possessions. There's a God behind our possessions. So that you're just obsessed with how much you have or haven't got. You're constantly checking how much you have or haven't got. You're just totally, it's just in there, taking control of your thinking all the time, worrying about what will happen next. God is our provider, and he will never let us down. And we're a family anyway. And then the final one, I felt God said, disobedience to the heavenly calling. Someone's had a calling from God to go and do something, and then you've... Uh, this, these are obstacles that get in the way, by the way. There's more than one person in this category. You've had a calling. You feel you missed the boat. You didn't jump when you should have jumped. And you're feeling that's the end of it. God's saying the boat's just sailed in again. Get on the boat. It's just sailed in again for you. Get on the boat. Go and see one of the leaders of this church and pray with them about it. And get on that boat. And God promises healing, restoration, freedom from guilt, and peace.
There's no rest for the wicked. You know, it's a wonderful expression, 57 verse 4. I'm finishing now, by the way. It says, whom are you mocking? Isaiah says, or God says to the nation, against whom do you open your mouth wide and stick out your tongue? What God's, what God's saying here is some of you are just going to God. That's what some of you are doing. You know, God's speaking and you're going, I'm not doing it. God's saying to you, if you're in that category, listen, because there are some people here in that category. He's saying to you, there's no rest for the wicked. That is the wicked. People who poke their tongue out at God and despise his ways. Don't be that person, because he says, he promises, as we finish, there's peace for the far, that's the Gentiles. There's peace for the near, the Jews, who run into his mighty arms. Take refuge in the Lord. Could you stand together, please? Let's stand together, if you're able. Well, this message is meant to be a joyful message, believe it or not. There's nothing more joyful than being set free. Nothing more joyful. If James could have his, his foot back again that he had before, he'd be dancing. But instead he's got six weeks of recovery. <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 2, verse 17. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off. That's us. And peace to those who were near. That's the Jews. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you're no longer strangers and aliens. You're fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone. Let's pray. Straight after this meeting, we're going to have a time of prayer in the corner over here on my right, your left. If you want to respond to any part of this message, please come and we'll pray with you. Don't leave it. Just come. If someone's brought you, just tell them I just need to go and get prayer. Don't worry about other people's judgment. The judgment is on those who don't come, not on those who do. So let's pray. Father God, we long for you to come and bring revival in this place and in this town and in this church and in my heart. Father, remove the obstacles from my life. Help me to surrender today in humility before you and to receive your forgiveness, your cleansing, your healing, and a new heart that I can run again in your presence. In Jesus' name. Amen.